Welcome to Cover Stories with Chess Life, the U.S. Chess Federation's podcast that goes behind the scenes and more in-depth about each month's Chess Life magazine cover story. Make sure to listen to our family of U.S. Chess podcasts, which includes One Move at a Time on the second Tuesday of each month, where Dan Lucas talks to people who are advancing our mission statement, Ladies' Night, which drops on the third Tuesday of each month, hosted by our women's program director, Jennifer Shahadi, and on the fourth Tuesday of each month, Chess Underground, hosted by our assistant director of national events, Pete Cargianis, in which he examines the game's eccentricities, peculiarities, and theoretical novelties. All can be found at the podcast link on Chess Life Online at uschess.org, or you can subscribe via iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Today's guest on Cover Stories is a man in demand. By my count, Harold Scott is making his third podcast recording today. He's been a guest on Evan Rabin's premier chess podcast, along with Grandmaster Joel Benjamin, a feat that he recently repeated in a joint appearance uh, on the Ben Johnson Perpetual Chess Podcast show. Today, however, it's just him. Harold is the author of our January cover story about eight-year-old Megan Paragua. Did I say that right? Uh, Paragua, I think. Paragua. I'm going to mess that up so badly. That's okay. Who has recently become a U.S. chess-rated expert uh, at the age of eight. The kids, they just keep getting better. Mm -hmm. Uh, Megan's uncle is New York Grandmaster Mark uh, Paragua. Uh, But as we learn from Harold's piece, she's doing a lot of the hard work to improve on her own. Harold Scott is a chess teacher and a coach currently residing in the Bronx, New York. He's also a FIDE instructor, a U.S. chess senior tournament director, a rated expert, and a writer to boot. His first book, Winning the World Open, is co-authored with Grandmaster Joel Benjamin, and it was released last month. It is an absolutely fantastic read. Uh, I think any fan of American chess history uh, and, and chess lore would do very well to pick it up. So, good morning, Harold Scott. Uh, where am I speaking to you from today? Oh, I'm, I'm in the Bronx here, even though I'm hovering above the earth here. <laughs> yeah, so his, uh, you won't be able to see this, but his, uh, his Zoom screen is, um, uh, he is somewhere uh, up on one of the space stations. <clears throat> it, it looks like you're, you're looking at a peaceful Europe, uh, which is a nice thing to think about in these uh, very disturbing days. Yeah, I tell but, you. Um, but uh, we're, we're not here to talk about geopolitics because uh, uh, Harold may be qualified. I'm certainly not. Uh, but we're here to talk about Megan. Um, so you have the cover story on our March issue, mm-hmm. which will be out, uh, at least uh, online versions will be out the same day this podcast drops on Tuesday. So tell us why you pitched us this story about this eight-year-old girl. Yeah, you know, I, I was, uh, over the summer, I was playing some tournaments in Queens, at the Queens Chess Club, and I, that's when I first uh, encountered her, um, seeing her in person. Actually, I played a, a, a game against her brother Dominic, who's rated uh, a lot less than her, and I was I was lucky to draw that game. And uh, then I actually played her in Princeton, New Jersey, at a Continental Chess Association event in the fall. And so I was aware that she was good, and I did not take the game lightly. And uh, so we played, and uh, I I prevailed in the game. But I came away from that game very impressed 
because uh, she, she was eight years old at the time. Uh, she turned nine in December. And she was uh, exhibited so much poise at the chessboard. I, I couldn't help but be impressed. Uh, I don't think she got up once from the game. Uh, was, there, was it a quick game or was it? Oh, uh, no, it was, was it? a long time control. Uh, typical of the CCA events. And, um, you know, she might have gotten up a couple of times, but she didn't stray far from the board. She was clearly working hard during the course of the game. And I had to play a very good game in, in, uh, in order to beat her. Uh, and so, you know, she played moves that I didn't consider some of the choices that she played. So I was impressed with some of her, you know, resourcefulness in the game. Uh, and, you know, at, at that point, it dawned on me that this is not your normal eight-year-old player. Uh, she became an expert, I think, uh, shortly afterwards. She might have still been 1900. And in the tournament that she became an expert in, she beat uh, international master Jay Bonin. Uh, so right there, uh, that, that, that tells you something. How is um, I, I know Jay has not been well. To, uh, so some listeners and fans of New York Chess may may know who Jay Bonin is, um, the Iron Man of chess, and and certainly uh, one of the most beloved figures on the New York chess scene. Yeah. Uh, do you do you have any idea how he's doing these days? Yeah, I, I do. I get updates from his brother Robert, uh, and you know he was in the ICU and uh, had some surgeries done. He was in a medically induced coma for a bit. Uh, they brought him out of it, and he's been upgraded from the ICU to med surge. Uh, so he's uh, he's gaining strength uh, in 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 his position in, in his struggle. Well, that is excellent to hear. Yeah, we're we're very very happy about that uh, for for those who've been following it. Uh, Jay's a great guy. He's a close friend, and uh, I want nothing but the best for him. Absolutely, I think uh, that's one thing that everybody. Can, can agree on uh, in these divisive days, which is rare enough. Um, so you, you were impressed by her at the board, but then as you got to know her a little bit and got to know the family a little bit, uh, I got the sense that you were even more impressed. So, so tell us a little bit about what you, you learned writing the story and, and what you take away from, uh, from the process. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, over the board, definitely impressed when it, when I interviewed her for the, for the story, uh, again, she exhibited great poise in her responses. Uh, she is not a typical eight or nine year old, uh, in, in how she answers questions. She's very thankful. She's very courteous. Uh, and, uh, so, uh, and it was interesting when I interviewed her because, you know, I asked her a lot of questions like, who are your favorite players? And uh, she, you know, you would expect names like uh, Fisher or Kasparov or Carlson. Or, and, and she clearly had uh, uh, players that, that inspire her. Uh, she mentioned first and foremost, Carissa Yip, who had a breakthrough uh, moment this year at the U.S. Women's Championship. And when I pressed her even more, she says, oh, yeah, I, I also like Jennifer Yu. So she she didn't buckle under my 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 questioning to to try and get a a male uh, role model 
she's clearly uh, influenced by other female players, which I thought was great. And that's, I think that's certainly testament to the, to the growth of uh, women's chess here in America through the work of people like Jen Shahadi and uh, some of the stuff that St. Louis is doing. Um, you know, I mean, talk about two great role models. Uh, yeah. And also, the U- I also like to mention the U.S. Women's Committee and my friend Kimberly Du McVeigh uh, are, are doing good things to support uh, women's chess and, and girls' chess in, in the States here. And so, uh, and that's something I'm very supportive of. You know, we have Irina Crush as a grandmaster. That's a great start. Irene is a great role model for girls, but we need more girls grandmasters in the future. And uh, with any luck, maybe Megan will someday make it there. I, I wanted to ask you, um, we, we couldn't actually print the whole study, but uh, there's a photo of her at the board, and uh, it ended up getting into the into the magazine in slightly cropped down form, so you can't see the whole thing. Uh-huh. But uh, she, she's 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 doing a study by, or she's she's solving a study with a clock. Um, so she's got a, you know, a certain amount of time to solve the study and it's, it's, a it's a pretty difficult one by, uh, Yochichen Afek. I probably said his name wrong, but, um, is that the sort of training that, that, that she does on a regular basis? Is, is it like, cause she's not doing simple tactics. She's, she's doing serious work. Well, uh, I know her, her father, John Vince is, is the one doing the, the daily training with her. Uh, and he had the benefit of growing up with his brother, Mark, and was uh, uh, very familiar with what Mark did uh, to become, I think, the youngest uh, Filipino grandmaster at the time. And uh, so he's going through, I think, the paces of, of, of what he knew was successful for his brother. Uh, and I know Mark also... Does some work with Megan, but not uh, not with any consistent uh, uh, um, schedule. Uh, maybe once every six weeks to um, two months, he'll review some games that she's played with her. Uh, and I, I'm just wondering, you know, at what point uh, does you know she move on? Maybe to work with Mark. Maybe to work with somebody else. Uh, her dad is, uh, is an expert, uh, himself. So he's, he's a good player. Uh, but at, at some point, yeah, I wonder when, when she'll, she'll progress to, to even more rigorous and, and, uh, uh, uh you know, a, 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 a higher trainer, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if, if that, if she's going to be doing more rigorous things, I'm, I mean, I'm, Wow, uh, because I, I think we'll probably I'll try to find that study and put it up um, as as part of the show notes for this. Uh, when when people see, I think it's like thirteen moves you have to figure out in order to get the point of the study, and it's those things are beyond me. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, so. you know, st- studies are great because they really open up the mind. Uh, they they uh, normally feature an elegant solution of some sort. So it, it really can can help you with your creativity in chess. So I do recommend studies uh, as as a way to uh, be a part of your chess training. And uh, for for people who are interested more on that, we have a article by Kostya Kavutsky in the March issue on exactly that topic on uh, using studies to improve your your creativity and calculation. So okay, uh, take good. a look I'm at in, that. But- I'm in good company then. You're in very good company. Yeah. So, um, 
Now you're you're a chess teacher in New York, and yeah. uh, I think for anybody who is not familiar with how big scholastic chess in New York is right now, um, I, I think that they might be surprised by what's going on there. Can can you tell us just a little bit about what the New York scholastic scene is like, and and uh, what you what what your sense of its direction is? Sure. Well, well, scholastic chess has for the last couple of decades uh, and, and, and and even before that has has been very popular in, in New York City and and uh, even before the pandemic it was it was surging to higher levels and I think that uh, when we're go- we're gonna start to see um, how we come out of the pandemic because uh, one of the the main, um, kind of monthly tournaments that we have is the Hunter tournaments that are run by Neil Weirmantry. Uh, and so that's going to start resuming now at the end of March. So I, I know they're going to do it at reduced uh, amount of entries uh, to get started again. And I think they're going to limit it to about 175 entries, if I'm correct. And normally that's a tournament that would be over 300 people. So they're just kind of easing back to it. <clears throat> but it's a good sign that that tournament in particular is uh, returning because that that is uh, a tournament that serious uh, tournament players in New York City uh, gravitate towards. Do you get a sense that the pandemic boosted the interest in chess. Uh, I mean, I, I, I know here in Nebraska, we're, you know, we're it's certainly a very different sort of scene than in New York sure. city, but we've seen what feels like explosive growth and in interest on the scholastic level. Um, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if it's the queen's gambit effect or if it's well, that's the kids yeah. were, um, the, you know, the, the kids were just looking for things to do. And the parents, I mean, you know, chess, chess is perfectly suited to a pandemic situation. You can do it online and, it doesn't suffer that much. Um, so, I mean, what's, what's your take of this? How, how is it different now as we're beginning to, as you say, come out of the pandemic than it was, you know, say in 2019? Sure. I, I think certainly there is a lot of pent up demand. And when I, I also am a tournament director and I work at continental chess association events and I see that, uh, that tournaments, uh, have had strong entries uh, compared to pre-pandemic levels, uh, you know. So we're, we're 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 setting some records in those regards. Uh, I then I I know we're in a healthy state that uh, we're ready to roar back when when all the restrictions are, are gone and restricted. And I think uh, especially the, uh, uh, the there's a lot of pent up demand for school plastic tournaments too, because uh, for the most part, they've been online and uh, we've had some like Orlando did happen this year. Uh, so that was good. The, the New York state uh, scholastic chess tournament uh, championship is going to be in two weeks in Saratoga Springs. So I think they'll have several hundred entries right now with, with more uh, within the last two weeks. So uh uh, so I, I think it's going to come roaring back, and uh, I I can't wait uh, to have it be back to normal. I um I was pleased to see that uh, Continental Chess is running a tournament in Des Moines, Iowa, in June. Uh, it is the first time in my memory, at least I've I've been out here for 
13 years now. It's the first time there's been one uh, in Iowa. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's growing everywhere, and I, I was thrilled to see it. So, uh, Harold, if you're there. I, I, I may actually play in that one. Really? Uh, I, yeah. Well, then. All right. Well, I, see, I, I, I'm i debating this because I'm, I'm supposed to go work the – uh, the national open. I'm supposed to go do some things uh, out there, but uh, it's the weekend after it. And I was like, well, but, but if, if you're going to be there, I might, I might make the drive. Well, well, uh, for those of you who don't know uh, the uh, internet chess club, ICC, uh, one of their founders, Marty Grund lives out there and he's excited about the tournament. And uh, so it's, uh, I, I may go visit him as, as part of that. And I, I want to travel a lot this summer and, and play chess around the country. Uh, and so, yeah, so Iowa, uh, visiting Marty out there. Also one of the, another, uh, ICC person, Terry Winchester lives in Indiana. And I said, we should play in a tournament somewhere. And, uh, we mentioned maybe the one in Iowa. So maybe, uh, we, we'll, we'll play that one together and, and see Marty while we're out there. All right. Well, first, uh, First beverage of your choice is on me then. Um, <laughs> so let, let's talk about the book because um, you know it, it just came out uh, just some mm-hmm. weeks ago, and uh, I got to tell you, Harold. Um, you know, I, I used to be the book reviewer for Chess Life. Um, I used to get books sent to me all the time. Uh, those days are gone, <laughs> so I have yeah. to pay for all my books now. And uh, this was a book as soon as I saw it available. Oh, we'll have to get you one. No, no, I bought it. I'm, I was oh, glad to buy right. it. That's right. Yeah. And uh, I got to tell you, I, you know, obviously I didn't play through all the games in one day, uh, but I read, you know, all the text, all the stories in one day. And it was a delight. Um, you know, brought back so many memories of, uh, you know, just when I was cutting my teeth, uh, you know, in the late, very late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, all the stories you have in there, the Von Neumann affair. Uh, you know, the stories about the Soviet emigres, it, it, fantastic book. Um, oh, thank you. How did you, how, how'd you, how'd this book come to be? How did you and Joel decide to do it? Sure, sure. Well, uh, Joel and I have been friends for, for many years. And uh, in recent years, when I moved back to New York City, we became coaches together on the same team. Uh, we were uh, coaches uh, at Columbia Grammar School in New York city, uh, which is uh, a program run by Sophia road. And so we would go to States, cities, nationals. We'd have a lot of time to spend. And often he would see me uh, come back from the, the bookstore and I'm a, I'm a, uh, an avid uh, collector of chess books myself. I, I probably have oh, over 2000 and just surrounding me in my library, uh, in my office here. And uh, I said, Joel, you know, someday, you know, I would like to write a book of my own. That's a bucket list item for me. And he says, well, Harold, if, if you come up with a good idea uh, that you want to bring to light, uh, I'll help you. And it's it was, and help means uh, varying degrees of things. Either he can make suggestions, tell me, you know, uh, what I can do to to write a proposal and send to a publisher uh, but it just so happens that this book he had a particular interest in because nobody has tied for first uh, or won uh, World Opens more so than him. He's a six-time World Open champion, um, 
in, in, in this tournament. Uh, nobody has done more five times. Uh, there's a few people uh, uh, beneath him in, in that uh, hierarchy. And so it's a, it's a book that he really needed to be involved with because of his, his rich history in the tournament. So uh, I, so I, I had a great uh, uh, pilot to guide me and, and be, you know, his co-pilot in this. So, so I, I'm forever grateful that he just, you know, because Joel, let's face it, Joel didn't need to write a book with me. He's a, a well-established author and uh, he's a very popular author. His books do very well, and uh, so I was honored uh, that he would he would do such a, a project with me. How did you guys divide the work? Um, okay. So, so you know, it, it actually came together quite organically. Obviously, we knew Joel was going to do the annotations because even even though I annotate games well uh, and I have for my students, is 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 not in the class of of GM Joel Benjamin. So he was going to do the the uh, the the chess work, but I had the heavy lifting of the research of the tournament. And I had to go back through the periodicals, uh, all the chess lifes. Uh, we also had inside chess. We had new in chess magazine. We had chess chow, uh, Joel Benjamin's old, uh, uh, magazine, which was great. I used to love that back in the day. That is, you know, as a collector, that's still one of my, my, uh, my, my need to get is I need to complete my chess chow collection. So Joel, if you hear this, help me out. Please. He has some issues there. Ah, we're, yeah. we're going to make this happen then. Yeah, and I, I think Fred Wilson in New York City uh, has a complete set, uh, unless somebody's bought it. But so, last time I was at a store, he had, he had a complete. Well, set I might have to reach issues. out to him. Uh, when I was at the teams in 2020, before um, everything exploded, uh, I ended up. He, he brought, I think, one of the like one of the years six issues, and I bought that, and I was really excited to do that. Um, uh-huh. We're going to talk about the teams in a minute, but. Uh, so, so you you really had to sort of you had to do a lot of work to do a lot of research and and, and find all this stuff. Um, well, I, I did, and uh, so it, it 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 took a lot of time, but it came together quite nicely. And you know, the the neat thing was is Joel and I we worked kind of independent. You know, we got together on Zoom every now and then to just to discuss some things, but mostly we were working independent of each other, and and we didn't really have any uh, redundancies. It just came together nicely. He knew what he had to do. And, uh, I felt like I knew what I had to do on the project and, but, but what was really great about the project is we had these grandmaster interviews, uh, that we did. I think we interviewed something like 16, uh, players who have won the, our world open heroes and, and what they were, it was people who won the event on multiple occasions. And so we had people like John Fedorovich. We had people like Nick DeFermi and Larry Christensen. We had uh, Alex Yermolinsky, Alexander Shavalov, uh, Ilya Smirin, Hikaru Nakamura. So we had we, we had many many uh, great interviews, and uh, we Joel and I we were both looking for different aspects of what they were saying from this interview. Uh, Joel was uh, was primarily focused on, okay, what were your best games from the World Open? What were your most critical games from the World Open? What was your mindset going into these games? 
what kind of preparation did you do for this? Uh, and he was really trying to get the, you know, those key moments and special situations and great games uh, out of our, our people we were interviewing. And I was looking for something a little bit different from the, from the information. I was looking for, well, I, certainly some biographical information, but I wanted to find teachable moments from their approach to open tournaments. Um, and we, we found a lot of interesting uh, stuff uh, from that. So, so Joel was looking specifically at, at uh, you know, the best games, great games. And I was just trying to find something about their, their open tournament DNA if you will. And, and, and I was real pleased the way it come out, these individual chapters on, on our world open heroes. It's, it's, it's interesting to hear you say that because it's, it's very clear that the, the title is, is doing sort of double duty. I mean, you know, winning the world open is certainly it's, it's talking about the people who won it, but it's also talking about the nuts and bolts of how you go about winning a tournament like that. Because, um, you know, even if you're a grandmaster, it's not easy. Uh, no. and, and the, the book really does a really nice job of sort of giving you both parts of that. So again, um, I, I feel like anybody who, who is interested in the history of American chess and, and, and our great players, uh, really should, should do themselves a favor and pick it up. It's, it's a brilliant, brilliant book. Uh, yeah. And it, it, it chronicles this, uh, this great tournament in American chess history that, uh, that's been 49 years strong. This 2022 will be the 50th year. So I, I imagine there's going to be a strong turnout in Philly for that. I'm very excited. I think I, I've been a director the last bunch of years, but I think I'm a play this year. So I'm excited about that. that that's, you know, I've, I've sort of, I'm curious about exactly that. I mean, when, when I'm looking at things and looking at tournaments, I've done a lot of directing here in Nebraska and, um, you know, whether it was the pandemic or whether it's, um, you know, I had, I had some health issues and, 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 uh, I mean, you know, I'm fine now, but, um, you know, it sort of changes your perspective a little bit and you get a little older sure. and you start thinking, boy, why am I, why am I directing? Like, why, why aren't I playing? Do, do, do you, do you feel that? Do you like, are you really itching to get out there and play more? Oh yeah. When I'm at tournaments directing, I, I'm like, as much as I enjoy directing, I'm, I'm like, I'm itching at that moment to, I, I should be playing, uh, you know, and then I, I get into the mindset, uh, you know, you know, I, I need to get prepared and, and start playing in, in these tournaments. And so I'm going through, I'm going through those, those gyrations in my mind while I'm directing a tournament. So we should, we should talk about that. I was going to ask you that at the end. Uh, but I mean, you're, you're a pretty strong player. I mean, you know, you're, you're an expert. You've, uh, you've been an expert for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you do seem to get to play semi-regularly. I mean, you're in New York, there's opportunity. How is your game? What are you doing to improve? Like how, how, what, what are the things that, that a chess teacher like Harold Scott does to try to up their game? Yeah. Well, right now it's, it's difficult to do that with any kind of regularly. Cause I have like an insane teaching and coaching schedule. So I, I'm, I'm quite busy. I teach at several different schools, but my main school is Avenues, the world school, where I'm head coach and lead instructor at. So, you know, and I, I take a lot of time preparing my lessons 
with my students and with my classes and, and so forth. So, so right now there's, there's very little uh, stuff I, I, I am doing to work on my game personally. I hope as I get towards the end of the school year, then I can sort of drift into that mode again. But there's a lot of th uh, things that I, I uh, do uh, for my preparation. Uh, openings, uh, oddly, will not be a large part of that. And certainly, there's tactical work that I'll do. But uh, there's there's things such as, you know, end games that uh, I'll study quite a bit. Uh, and also, there's there's kind of like typical positions and situations that you, you get in in games that uh, uh, I'll go over, like, you know, uh, peace and balances, like, you know, the bishop pair. Uh, versus Bishop and Knight, let's say, you know, there, there are a lot of good books out there nowadays that uh, show these different type of positions playing with and against the isolated pawn, for example. You know, those type of positions that, you know, uh, you, you want to learn to play those like a machine and, and know the, the middle game theory behind that. So that, that's more the type of work that, that I'll do. Uh, as opposed to, you know, I, of course you got to do some opening work, but you know, I want to, I want to learn to to play chess uh, and not just play openings. You know, it's it's interesting to hear you say that, and I, I'm curious about what what. It, so we've talked about books. Mm -hmm. um, are you still a book guy? I mean, you, obviously you are. You oh, got yeah. two thousand books there, but are are you are you sort of making the transition like everybody else in the world seems to be making to? chessable or um you know tactic you know tactical trainers like chess tempo or things like that um or are you still sort of really sticking with paper no with with tactics i i i think you have to uh do a tactical trainer because the, the pieces and positions are just set up there and you can go through one puzzle after another and, and you can target certain areas there's so much that uh, that is better than than print chess books, but you know print is good. To, you know now and then if you want to take a book and just be away from the computer, you can do that too. Uh, so yeah, you have to use a tactics trainer. Uh, chessable, I I am warming up more and more to that idea as far as to to train openings and opening positions um, for that. But for the most part, I'm still uh, a book, very heavy uh, book-driven uh, kind of guy. Do you uh, do you have some do you have some favorite books you might want to mention as being uh, either personally important or particularly useful? Yeah, well, I, I actually have a, a chess coach, and it's Estradios uh, uh, Grievous. Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah, he's a he's a highly respected coach. He's in the United Arab Emirates right now, and and he's the uh, he, he runs the Sharjah uh, chess program, uh, which is, uh, I think, the, the largest uh, club uh, out there. So he's a great teacher. You know, he's he's kind of got me on that path of, you know, learn to play chess, you know. And so and actually, I uh, the reason why I got together with Estradios is at the beginning of the pandem pandemic, I wanted somebody not not only that could help me with my game, but as a FIDE senior trainer as he was, I wanted to help him actually have me uh, 
helped me improve as a chess teacher as well. So I, I got together with him for reasons that were twofold. And, uh, I, I've, I've been, and in fact, he encouraged me as a chess teacher to write. And he, he's, he's got a, a, a numerous amount of books that are going to be coming out and have come out in, in, in the last couple of years. But I, I don't think that uh, I would have uh, embarked on such a project with Joel without his encouragement to start writing. I was writing lessons and I was getting more comfortable writing. So I, I have to credit him quite a bit uh, as well. You guys had, a, 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 I hear, a very well-received book signing at the Amateur Team East. Yeah, uh, yeah. Talk it, about that a little bit because uh, it, it sounds like it was a pretty neat experience. Yeah, it was. I, I got to meet some new people, make some new friends, uh, people that I didn't know. And then I got to see old friends as well that were were there that uh, bought the book from us and had us sign. So I was very honored to, to do that. It was my first book signing. Uh, and uh, so that was a lot of fun. And we, we were doing another book signing in two weeks at the, the New York State Scholastic Championship up in Saratoga Springs. And uh, certainly the, the big one should be the, at the World Open this year itself. So we're, we're looking forward to that as well. But, uh, you know, so, yeah, it was a very enjoyable experience. Uh, I got to feel special for a day. I, it must have been, yeah, I, having been to the teams, and I, I want to talk about the teams a little bit because I, I think sure. for anyone who has not been there, they, they don't understand um, how absolutely incredible it is. Uh, U.S. Chess sent a team in 2020 uh, right before the world shut down. Um, I remember seeing you there. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was my first trip to the teams. And I mean, I, you know, I grew up in New York. Um, I, I grew up Long Island. I should be precise because there are people who will chastise me if I'm not precise. We have that in common. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, I, I'd never been, and uh, it 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 is everything people say it is. Um, you know, 1,300 people. Everybody knows everybody, uh, and and you know they're all there playing chess, and it, it it's there are not not enough superlatives for the job that Steve Doyle and his entire team, which includes you, uh, do every year to make this happen. So let, let's talk about this. How did you get involved with the teams? What's what's your backstory there? Uh, I, I was, uh, Sophia Road recommended me to, uh, uh, like five years ago. Uh, she couldn't make it that year. And I, uh, I, I, so they had an open spot on the uh, TV staff. And uh, so I, I worked there, and on the first day, uh, Steve Doyle says to me, he says, Harold, you realize you're, you're, you're a permanent member of the staff here, right? And I said, okay. <laughs> so, I, I, which was a nice compliment from him. Uh, so, and I've enjoyed being there every year since. It's, it's a relaxed situation uh, where... Uh, at times it doesn't seem like it's a, it's a tournament, you know, uh, you know, when you, when you work a, a serious tournament, like the world open or whatever, there's, there's a lot of demands that are put on, put on you to, to be at the top of your game. But it, it's, I think a more relaxed situation because people are there to have a good time. Uh, the, the camaraderie of the teams, people are in a very good mood. Um, and, uh, 
you know, there are people that come to this tournament that you might not see the remainder of the year, just people that uh, come out specifically for this tournament. Uh, so that that should be mentioned as well. Uh, it's a special tournament. And in fact, you know, people have been asking me, uh, they said, if this book on the World Open does well, would you write a book on the amateur team championship? And uh, I, I actually consider the idea, and I'm not sure, you know, yes or no, if, if I'll venture down that road yet. But uh, it, it, it certainly is, the tournament is deserving of so somebody chronicling it uh, from its from its early years to uh, with now the 52nd year this was. So uh, it's a great tournament. What was it like being back this year in person? Um, what, what, what sorts of difficulties did you guys face bringing? I mean, what were we guys packed? Was it almost 1,300 this year? Uh, no, they, they, we had less teams, and that was by design. Uh, they, they, they didn't want to pack in the main ballroom as, you know, they left some more open space in the room there. Uh, so with COVID still around, they, they, they didn't want to pack it to the max like they do. So, and last year, yeah, I, 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 I was a TD at the online version of the amateur team East, uh, was kind of interesting and it, it came off well. But it's certainly nothing like the experience of being there in person. So it felt really good to be back this year. And, and I, I do have to say we, we lost uh, uh, a few members of our staff. You know, Carol Jarecki yeah. passed away. Uh, Ken Ballou also passed away. And Joe Eppolito. Uh, so it was from a, from a, a team standpoint of, of, of who was working the event, uh, it was a different dynamic. Uh, we, we lost three wonderful people this year and, you know, the, they, they were with us, uh, in spirit, I think, uh, during the event. So we, we didn't forget about them. In fact, some of our young directors, uh, that were working there wore a bow tie in, in Ken Ballou's honor because Ken, Ken would normally wear a bow tie. Yeah. So I, I thought that was a, a fitting tribute and it was nice of them, uh, nice of the young guys to, to remember Ken in that way. I, I will say, um, you know, my, my one experience there, and I'm, I'm looking forward to going back uh, maybe next year if I can do it. Yeah. Um, to see the generations, mm -hmm. you know, all the kids. I mean, there's so many kids. Uh, and they're all playing and they're all, you know, learning chess. And they're, and they're, meeting, they're meeting people like Carol or like Ken or like Steve or like, or like Fed. I mean, you know. These kids are getting to play, you know, they're getting to play fed. Yeah. And, and he's there to, he's there telling stories. And, um, well, well, he doesn't, he doesn't tell stories when, when fed is, is, is sitting around, he holds court, yeah. <laughs> you know, he, yeah. he, you know, and anybody who wants to listen to, you know, to his wonderful tales over the years, uh, they're in, in, privileged to do so, you know, uh, you know, Fed is obviously a good friend, and uh, recently we, we've gone away to some tournaments uh, together to uh, where we've roomed at some tournaments, and uh, so it's nice uh, having his company. And uh, he's going to play more, I think, uh, over the summer. Uh, his uh, his wife uh, Angela is retiring from school, 
She's a congratulations to her. And, and he's going to be able to travel around and play. So I'm glad he's one of those guys that, you know, that, that still has the fire within him to, uh, to play. So, yeah, it's, as I say, it's, it's, I, I really recommend anybody who is listening, if you have not gotten to play in one of the team events, but especially the East, um, definitely it, it is, it is one of those things you need to do before you close the book on your chess career. Yeah. So, we had we had people like uh, my old friend Alan Cantor. He played in the South team event uh, along with Evan Rabin, and then they they both played by but on different teams uh, in in the East. So there are some people that uh, because of the timing being that one one uh, will be on a different weekend that they'll play in multiple team events. So yeah, it's yeah. it's. Uh... It is one of the highlights of the American chess calendar. Absolutely. So that, that, that time of year. I, I think it's my favorite tournament of all. So Yeah. yeah. I, I, uh, I, I might agree with you on that. Um, Harold, we're almost done, but um, I, I like to ask uh, my interviewees a set of questions at the end. Uh-huh. Um, the, these questions are so intense, by the way, that they made uh, Maxime Bashir Legrave dye his hair pink. So Okay. I, I, I'm entirely well, attributing. Well, I don't have much hair, hair, so you, I won't have to worry about we that. We have that in common. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I don't know if you remember um, Inside the Actors Studio, if you remember that TV show. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Mr. Lipton. So, yeah. So um, James Lipton would ask everyone a set of questions at the end of the show. Um, and, and the questions were, were made famous by him. But they, they, they were, in fact, inspired by um, Bernard Pivot. Uh, in France, who who actually based them on questionnaires by Marcel Proust. Okay. So I've taken those questions and I've I've modified some of them to to avoid a few questions that might not work for a podcast format for a family friendly kind of place like this. Um, but I'm going to ask you ten questions, um, and the point is just give us your first impressions. Don't overthink it. Is it a rapid fire kind of response here? Kind of like no. Well, I mean, you know, you you, you can take a second, but okay. um, yeah, you don't need to. You know, you you don't. This is not the sort of thing where you, we we want deep cogitations for. Uh-huh. So, uh, all right. So I'm going to go through it. Number question number one. Okay. What is your favorite word? Favorite word. Endeavor. Oh, that's good. Why endeavor? Uh, because it has to do with something positive. I like that. All right. What yeah. is your least favorite word? Uh, probably some, uh, a list of curse words, you know? Okay. Then <laughs> you, you, uh, not a fan of the, the four letters. Well, I, I, I do use curse words myself. Uh, a friend of mine, Harold Stenzel, as we know, I don't think I've known, I've known him for close to 40 years. I don't think I've ever heard him say a curse word once. Wow! And for those of you who don't know, he's a he's a, a a national tournament director, and he's run the Nassau Chess Club on Long Island for since the mid seventies. So yeah, and uh, Harold is actually the TD after whom I pattern myself, and uh, I've been very who, influenced too. Yeah, by him. Yeah. Any anyone who knows Harold shushes, um, <laughs> if they come to one of my tournaments here in Nebraska, they will immediately recognize the tone and demeanor of mine. Because that's all Harold. Yeah. Um, what is your dream of happiness? My dream of happiness? Yes. Uh, you know what? I, I lead a pretty happy life. 
myself. And so it, it wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't vary too much what I do. My life is, is consists of, of chess for the most part. So being able to travel around, see friends, play chess, or, 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 or I don't even have to play sometimes being at an event and, and uh, is just fun for me. So yeah, it, 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 it's, it revolves around chess. That's, that's my happiness. Towards what faults do you feel most indulgent? What faults? So I guess as a chess player, you can tend to overanalyze uh, situations. So, but, uh, you know, in, in real life, in, just like in chess, you, you have to make a decision at some point before your flag falls. Nicely put. Um, who would you like to see on a new, <clears throat> on a new banknote? Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. What opening do you love? The Grievous Sicilian, for obvious reasons. Filing that away in case we meet over the board. <laughs> what opening do you hate? Because it's annoying to play against, is it's like the, the Banco Gambit. I tend to decline it. I don't. I don't like to give my opponent uh, uh, active play if I can help it. You know, and this is nagging positional pressure. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm with you there. Yeah. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Uh, well, I have had a, a career prior to my career in chess. Uh, where I was an accountant. I was a corporate accountant uh, at a hospital in Florida for 15 years. And I was also uh, a realtor. So uh, right now, for the rest of my days, it, it's strictly going to be chess. What uh, what profession would you really prefer not to do? Uh, just be a corporate, uh, uh, any sort of corporate, where I, nine to five kind of guy where, you know, uh, yeah, I, I, I just don't want to be in that environment again. So uh, not that I had a bad experience or anything like that, but it's so much nicer being your own boss in, in, in the chess world. And, and uh, there's nothing bad about it. Final question, Harold Scott. Okay. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? <laughs> uh, Hope you had a nice life and, uh, and, and, and enjoyed it and welcome. There you go. Yeah. Harold Scott is the co-author of winning the world open with grandmaster Joel Benjamin. Uh, if you are a continental chess association tournament player, you may see him at a tournament there, or you might see him at the New York state scholastic championship in Saratoga Springs in just under two weeks by the time this podcast is released. Harold, if somebody wants to reach you uh, via social media or email, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, I'm, I'm easily uh, reached on Facebook. Okay. Yeah. Harold Scott on Facebook. If anybody wants to reach out, maybe you have a uh, 
a contribution for uh, the second volume of winning the world open. Who knows? You never know. You never know. Harold, thank you so much for taking the time. And uh, yeah, I, I really appreciate it. John, thank you so much. I, I appreciate everything you do. And uh, it, it was fun. Thank you for listening to this edition of Cover Stories with Chess Life. Our podcast will return next month on the first Tuesday, when we will again be making a deep dive into the pages of Chess Life magazine. U.S. Chess is a 501c3 nonprofit organization whose educational mission is to empower people, enrich lives, and enhance communities through chess. To become a member, go to uschess.org and click on the Join button, where you can find a membership option that is right for you. As a member, you enjoy rated play, print and digital copies of Chess Life or Chess Life Kids, and you help U.S. Chess grow the game. If you're already a member, consider clicking on the donate button at uschess.org. Our podcasts are produced and edited by Jason Andre at Seven Season Films Photography and Media. Please visit sevenseasonfilms.com to find out how to start your own podcast. Thank you and good chess. Chess.